Welcome to the 6 Minute Abs podcast. My name is Abby, aka 6 Minute Abs, and I will be your host along this fitness and wellness journey. Join me as I share the ups and downs of my personal wellness ride and shed light on some exciting, adventurous, and at times outrageous health topics. The show does not intend to offer any medical advice. I only aim to provide entertainment and to inform. You should always consult a registered doctor before beginning any treatment or on any topic that concerns your physical and mental health and well-being. Furthermore, you will not achieve a full set of abs in six minutes. Believe me, I've tried. Hey everybody, it's me, Six Minute Abs, and I am back again this week with another book club! Book club from Okay, so this book club, um, this book review in book club this this month is like super important to me and I am so excited about this episode because I haven't really been, I don't know, so passionate about a book for a very long time. I mean, um, obviously apart from what the new Twilight that just came out. (laughs) Yes, guys, I'm a try-hard, like super-duper into vampires and stuff but anyways um apart from that book not much has like really kind of made me so freaking excited like often i've read a book and i'm like oh okay that's cool that's cool that's cool but when this book was announced i was like oh my freaking word when is it gonna drop oh my goodness i need it and that is because it is think like a monk by jay shetty Okay, now there's a there's a few reasons why I've chosen this particular book for this month. Well, there's no reason why I chose it for January, but, <laughs> you know, it's just a cool book. It's a really awesome way to start your year. Awesome things to kind of read and get inspired by and all of that jazz, but nonetheless. So, to start off with, why did I choose Think Like a Monk? Like, I've got you in my notes because Jay Shetty. <laughs> Just point in case that is done because it's written by Jay Shetty and I love Jay Shetty. The end. But yeah, guys, in all seriousness, um, I think I'm trying to remember the first time I remember seeing Jay Shetty on Facebook. But nonetheless, he he came out with quite a few uh, thought provoking videos which caused him to go viral. And I'm not sure if they caused him to go viral or because I know that he was spotted by Ariana Huffington and asked to do um, videos for Huffington Post. But nonetheless, I kept seeing his videos and I was like, oh my word, this guy knows what he's talking about. And I've always just kind of related with him and his teachings and what he has to say. Um, So yeah, naturally I was absolutely stoked when he announced that he was writing a book. And as soon as it came out, I was like, click, 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 let me get this book. (laughs) So once I'd actually read the said book that I was so excited about. I thought it would be the perfect book for book club because it shares all of the goals and aspirations that I actually have within my own life. So I'm not saying that I'm a monk or live a monastic life in any way, shape or form, guys. (laughs) I'm just saying these goals, I mean, these lessons that he's teaching are the goals that I'm striving to perfect within my own life as we speak. So in all honesty, this book really resonated with me in so many ways. 
the teachings were super well thought out the stories that he shared were insightful and so 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 at times devastatingly real in all honesty i feel like this book is a book that everyone should read at least once in their lives and i say at least once because i've read it now and i am about to start it again that's how much it just kind of spoke to me and i do believe that if we could all implement the teachings and um you know like the lessons that are given in think like a monk i do truly believe that the world would just be a happier safer and better place so with all of that being said why the hell would i not choose think like a monk for our book club guys <laughs> it's kind of a given okay so here's a little brief synopsis of what think like a monk is about so as the name suggests Think Like a Monk is aimed at teaching the principles of monastic life and how to implement these principles into your everyday thinking. So Jay Shetty takes us on both a lesson as well as a look at his own life as a monk in the ashram in India. So essentially this book is split up into three major parts and those are part one which is titled Let Go, part two which is titled Grow and part three which is entitled Give. Um, Personally, for me, the most difficult section of the book was let go. And that's because it, it, it kind of does a deep dive into really looking within yourself and the things that we need to let go of. But I'm getting ahead of myself. I will talk about that later. So within these three sections, there are various subchapters and each of them have their own rich teachings about how to progress in each stage. So personally, I think it was written brilliantly. I just really do. Um, in the sense that Jay takes us on a journey from start to literal end of his monk life. So he takes us through how it began, what his calling was, um, what he learned and how he implemented it within his life as a monk and in London afterwards. Um, and also what I loved is he talks about why it came to an end. So why he stopped being a monk and came back to London essentially. Furthermore, the progression of the book takes you through each stage of the journey in a very natural and seamless flow. So just in the way that it's written, I feel like the whole book just flows effortlessly and I really, really dig that. So it was, you know, a really easy read, which is always awesome. Um, I'm going to talk more in depth about the chapters in the next section of this pod. Um, but in essence, the book represents a guide to living a fulfilled and happy life and it truly does teach you how to think like a monk quite effectively. Okay, so now saddle up and strap in, guys, because I'm going to talk about what I loved in this book. And basically, it's the whole book. <laughs> so, yeah, um, if I could, I would tell you about the whole book and I basically would just read you this whole book on my podcast. But that would be doing Jay a dirty. I wouldn't do that. Go buy the book yourself. <laughs> But that's how much I love it. That's just how passionate I am about this book. So guys, I bet you're wondering, Abby, it's all good and well for a monk to live by these standards. But, you know, what a monk does is sits on a mountain and meditates all day. So how am I supposed to apply these kooky ancient lessons in my everyday, very busy, very modern life? Well, guys, that's what I freaking love about this book. I feel like Jay Shetty managed to really, really 
do the transition between monastic teachings to modern day life seamlessly. And that's just what I, just like mind blown, drop the mic, you know, type situation. So Jay gives real life examples of how he encountered each lesson within his own life at the ashram. Um, and then he also smatters awesome little try this section. Um, <laughs> try this section. Don't just try that section. He, he, he puts like little try this sections every few pages. So the try this block gives you an actual easy to do exercise of how you can put these ancient kooky teachings into action within your modern busy schedule. You know, bada boom, bada bing, there you go. <laughs> so that's how you're supposed to live and think like a monk, people. So as I promised earlier, I'm now going to take you through a bit of a, uh, a deep dive, if you will, within the chapters and just highlight things that really stood out for me. So I'm going to take you through things that struck a deep chord within me, things that I just found funny, things that I appreciated, things that I found hard. And honestly, like I said, I could speak about this book for hours. So I could tell you about what stood out, why I loved it, and so on and so forth. But for your sake, and for the sake of my vocal cords, I've summed it up into like a greatest hits section, if you will. <laughs> okay, so without further ado, here we go. Within the first chapter, Identity, Jay makes mention of a very interesting point. When we asked who we are, so if someone comes to you and says, who are you? A lot of us tend to respond with what we do. So instead of saying, hi, I'm Abby and I, I don't know, I feel strongly about animal rights and kid rights and stuff. And I don't really like people, you know, <laughs> I'd say, hi, I'm Abby and I'm a website designer. But that doesn't tell you anything about who I am. So a lot of us are just so naturally programmed to associate who we are with what we do. And I mean, like, cool, kudos to you. If you're a lawyer, if you're a teacher, if you are, I don't know, a sewer, all of those cool things. Good for you. That's your, your job, but that's not who you are as a person. And that just kind of freaking struck me. I was like, yo, I've never actually thought about that. Um, in all honesty, the first section of the book, like I mentioned, was a little bit hard for me. And not in the sense that it was badly written by all means. Jay Shetty is a very, very good writer. I, I sound like I've got a super man crush on this guy. But no, I just really appreciate him. <laughs> but okay, guys, come on. Like, let's just level with each other here. The first section of the book is called Let Go. And I mean, like, if letting go was such an easy practice for human beings, there wouldn't be so many self-help books on how to do it. So naturally, it's, it's a little bit of a hard read to get through if you really are looking into yourself whilst reading. Um, the first section really, really challenges you and forces you to evaluate multiple aspects of your life. However, there was one thought-provoking example that Jay used within the fear chapter that I absolutely fell in love with. So within this chapter, he makes mention of an experiment which was conducted in Arizona, which was called Biosphere 2. So scientists attempted to create the perfect living environment within a sectioned-off dome. However, even though all, it, all aspects of the environment were absolutely perfect, like, I mean, flawless, 
they these guys really put together the perfect world so even though all of everything was perfect whenever a tree would reach a certain height it would simply fall over so later it was discovered that the lack of wind um, gave the trees no reason to grow deep anchoring roots and as such when they got too tall and too heavy they would just fall over that for me was just so humbling in a sense you know it's just like mind-blowing because this suggests that the stress is well this is what i took away from it anyways i think he mentioned this in the book too i'm not sure i don't want to take full credit for this <laughs> but for me what i took from this whole situation of the trees falling over is that it suggests that stress and challenges and fears that we face in our lives actually help root us and make us more capable of surviving and for me that's just like a yeah okay you know if it wasn't for the stresses and the fears and the wind you know air quote wind in our lives we also would just fall over because you, we, we'd have no roots <laughs> and yeah that was really poignant for me are you tired of looking like a frump when heading off to the gym are you stopping traffic with your outfit on your morning jog for all the wrong reasons if you, like me, are tired of recycling your old promo t-shirts as gym wear, you need to take a look at Athleisure HQ range. These guys stock everything your gym bunny heart could want or desire. From fantastic leggings, which literally feel like a second skin, and trust me, they really, really do, to amazing gym wear for him, you can find it all here. For all you South Africans out there, isn't it great to know that these products are locally manufactured in Cape Town? But if you're an overseas listener, don't stress. They can organize international shipping just for you. All the designs at Athleisure HQ are nature-inspired, leaving you feeling absolutely zen in your gear. I just picked up the Blossom Cropsy set, and my gosh, is it stunning. None of the garments have exposed elastic, which would leave your skin feeling irritated. In the same right, you won't have to worry about any irritating labels. All the usual label info is incorporated in the fabric. Furthermore, you can wash, wear and live in your garments without ever having to worry about them. You don't have to worry about them fading and you don't have to worry about them becoming washed out and dull. Go on, spoil yourself with these amazing products and get 10% off while doing so. Yep, you heard right. I managed to rustle up a code for all of my listeners to help you get the gear that's perfect for you. When you check out, use my code ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. That's ABBY-A9F5KQ6G. Once that's in, you're basically all set. So now go on, get, go. Go spoil yourself and look amazing in the process. So next I'm going to tell you about my most favoritist chapter in the whole book. And I seriously mean this, guys. This chapter was just everything to me. Um, and this is the chapter on purpose. It's not on purpose. The chapter is called purpose <laughs> so this chapter teaches you all about your own personal dharma and literally that means living your best literal life <laughs> so just everything about this chapter is so like 
what? 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 It's just so like thought-provoking and mind-blowing in every sense. I'm going to be saying that a lot, guys, so strap in. But for example, okay, so talking about dramas, did you know that Andre Agassi actually hates playing tennis? Like, what? <laughs> I had no idea. This guy is a legend and... In his own autobiography, he mentions that he actually just doesn't enjoy it. And when I read that, my mind was just freaking blown. However, Agassiz Dharma is that of servitude. And as such, he used the money that he made as a tennis superstar to fulfill his actual passion by forming the Agassi Foundation. There's also reference in this chapter of some kick-ass woman, but I forgot to take down her name like a dingus. But anyways, this doll wanted to give to a charity and she she just didn't have enough money in her life to, you know, donate to the cause that really called her. So as a result, she worked super hard and drove herself, you know, to the point of becoming a millionaire in order to fund her own charity. And that for me was just so like, oh my goodness, good on you, girl. But yeah, so furthermore, Jay gives a personal example of how he developed into his own dharma, um, which for him is imparting knowledge. So that's his calling in life is he loves to be educated and share knowledge with others. Um, so what he did is when he was in college, he decided to form a student group, which was focused on, I think, self-improvement or just basically teachings of, you know, being a good person like the book you know <laughs> so on the first day when he launched his group absolutely no one came but and this is the part that's like the real kicker for me even though no one was there jay still decided to deliver his talk he gave his talk to a completely empty room and he did this because he thought he would be doing himself and his topic a disservice by not giving it the full respect it deserved so by the time he left college, the group was 100 strong and Jay was holding weekly hour-long talks. Um, furthermore, the club continued even after he had left the college. And that's actually where he met his wife. <laughs> like, how cool is that? Oh, my goodness. But that for me was just so humbling in the sense that, you, you know, you, you put together this group, you're so excited, no one arrives. But instead of being sour and salty and, you know, throwing all caution to the wind he still you know like he was the most humble human and he still delivered his talk to a completely empty room personally i don't know if my ego would allow me to do that i would be so sad that no one showed up that i would you know forget my passion in the topic which isn't cool so next up we head over to the routine chapter now this chapter was amazing for me in helping me realize that i actually need to make a good routine within my own damn life and actually stick to it but one quote in particular really stood out to me and that comes from Maria Popva so she's a Bulgarian writer and she said so basically sorry before I tell you this amazing life-changing quote Jay does uh, reference a lot of other people within his book and he just gives examples and quotes that he found you know enlightening and such but nonetheless so Maria Popva she said, we tend to wear our ability to get by on little sleep 
as some sort of badge of honor that validates our work ethic. And that kind of just slapped me in the head because it's so freaking true. So many people, so many people that I know brag about how many sleepless nights they've had because they were like chasing this deadline or, you know, like, oh man, I'm running on three hours sleep because I was working so hard. Like kudos to you, dude. You look like trash. (laughs) But anyway, so Maria goes on to say, But what this is, is a profound failure of self-respect and priorities. Mind blown. Mind blown. Sure. So next up, we head to the ego chapter. (laughs) So naturally, this was also a somewhat challenging chapter to read, um, but it was also incredibly enlightening. So essentially, the whole chapter is dedicated to pointing out the difference between ego and self-pride. Um, And there was one section that really stuck with me. And it says, if you inspire special treatment, it is because people appreciate you. But when you demand or feel entitled to it, you are looking for respect that you haven't earned. And that for me was just so, goodness me, that was so everything, if I can say that. So many people I know demand respect and so few actually deserve it like come on guys (laughs) don't be that person don't act entitled entitlement's not a good look on anyone so another part from the ego chapter which i really really loved comes in when jay is speaking about a lecture that he attended when he was younger now this lecture was given by another monk at an ashram in london which jay used to attend so the monk urged his audience to be like salt yeah yes the condiment (laughs) so what the monk said in his lecture salt is the most humble of all ingredients it never receives praise but it almost always receives belittlement so if the food is you know too salty or not salty enough you're going to hear all about it but no one ever says wow that that meal was salted perfectly the salt just made it it made that chicken no one says that so in all honesty, I think we should all strive to be a little bit more salty and not in the <laughs> not in the nose out of joint kind of salty way, in the way that we should all be humble like salt. So finally, one of the last things that really stood out for me was within the chapter of service. And the service chapter is basically the last chapter before conclusion. And in this chapter, Jay shares his greatest teaching and secret yet. And that is that everyone should live to serve. So he claims that only through service can we hope to be enlightened and live a truly fulfilled and satisfying life. And that for me just really hits home. It puts everything, everything that you've learned in the book into practice. You know, it just rounds everything off. Like this is what we are learning for. We are learning to serve to be a better human, to be a better community, to be there for one another. Um, So in all honesty, the whole book was just incredibly moving in the sense that all of these principles and lessons are lessons that we should be living by, you know. In my opinion, it essentially teaches you to just be a good human, like a lacquer guy. And for everyone overseas, lacquer is an Afrikaans word that means nice (laughs) or tasty. 
you know, so it just teaches you to be a freaking lacquer human. <laughs> and I love that. So, yeah, that's really cool. Another thing that I dig about it is there's a lot of, um, like I said, there's the try this little blocks in the book. But then there's also sections on meditation. So Jay actually takes you through a guided, not a guided meditation. It's not like you're now sitting on a beach and walk off and see the seagulls, hear the waves lapping. It's not like that. It's like basically there's one meditation that is just one for stress, which is a simple breathing exercise. And I freaking love that. So all you have to do is breathe in for four. Hold it for four. And then breathe out for four. One, two, three, four. And yeah, so you just stop when you're feeling super anxious. Do that a couple of times and it will slow your breathing and slow your mind and just slow your body. And the stress will just kind of be more manageable. So little things like that are really appreciated throughout the book. So now we get to the more difficult part and that's what I didn't love about the book. So part of me wants to say I didn't, you know, I loved everything and there's nothing that I didn't love about the, this book. But, you know, there are parts in this book that challenged me incredibly. So those parts that challenged me dramatically, I, I didn't really like because <laughs> it forced me to look at who I am as a person and realize, okay, hmm, maybe I don't like these things about me or these parts of me. But in the same right, in saying that, I love the parts of the book that made me feel this way because I'm grateful for the lessons that they offered and the insight that they offered, you know, into my own self. So <laughs> the next example I'm, gonna, I'm going to give you is quite ironic because the most challenging chapter for me to read and the one that I didn't love the most was Purpose. And I know you're probably thinking like, hey, hang on, hey, you just said that that was your favorite chapter. So, yes, Purpose is my favorite chapter by a long shot, but it was also my most difficult chapter to read because, man, did it hurt. <laughs> so, guys, I'm going to, the whole, my whole ethos of Six Minute Abs is to just be completely transparent and honest with you, and that is what I'm about to do here. So, um, this chapter actually made me feel slightly depressed and not in the sense that what Jay was writing was sad and morose. I mean, he didn't write about puppies dying because that would kill me. But um, the, the, the part that made me feel quite depressed is I hit a massive realization and I realized that I wasn't living within my dharma, just like Andre Agassi. You know, me and Agassi, we're on the same level. <laughs> But nonetheless, there's one section within this chapter which explains the various quadrants in your life and how they contribute to your dharma. So quadrant one is you are living in a situation where you're doing something which you have a lot of skill for but no passion. Um, quadrant two is where everyone should aim to be and that is you are living and doing something with your life which you are skilled at and passionate about. Quadrant three everyone should just stay clear of because you've got no skills in it and you have no passion for it. <laughs> and quadrant four is really sweet, but, you know, you've got no skills, but a lot of passion for it. So all of you shower singers out there, 
you're in quadrant four. <laughs> but yeah, so like I said, this section really forced me to take a good, hard look at my life. And the simple, you know, four quadrant section, is, it's so simple, but freaking hell, it devastated me. Um, because honestly, I realized I'm not living in my passion. So needless to say, I cried. I may have had a tantrum about not being where I want to be. I put the book down. Might have sworn at Jay a little bit and just stopped reading. <laughs> so truly, guys, I put the book down and I stopped reading for a bit because I was like, oh, my goodness. And when I say a bit, I mean like a week. <laughs> because Jay insulted me by making me realize that I'm living in freaking quadrant. Well, where am I? Oh, I'm living in quadrant one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to go back in my notes and see which quadrant I was in. But yeah, so like it hit me so hard because I realized that I was living in quadrant one and I'm doing something like in saying that I'm doing something that I'm really good at and I've got a lot of talent for, but I've got absolutely no passion for it. So hence, I feel unfulfilled in my life. And that was a super freaking tough pill to swallow because I mean, like how many of us are blessed enough to do our passions? You know, it's like that old saying, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. But how many of us really love what we do? But yeah, so nonetheless, once I'd let my ego cool down a bit, I carried on reading and Jay came to the rescue. So if I'd actually just carried on reading instead of getting upset <laughs> initially, I would have been happier within like a few minutes as opposed to a week. But nonetheless, so Jay brings hope in the sense of telling us that we can find ways to marry your passions into your skills and implement them within your workplace. So for example, he was working at, I can't remember the name of the, the company that he was with, but he wasn't like crazy about what he was doing. He was like, oh, blah. And then he asked his manager if he could start giving, like he did at college, um, a weekly talk on imparting knowledge of what he learned at the ashram and just, you know, a, a weekly kind of guided thing. And that helped him realize, oh my goodness, I love doing this. I love teaching and this helps me. And he carried on doing that to the point where he was asked to give the, they had like a big company kind of meet and it was actually held in a stadium. <laughs> it's huge. There's a lot of people. There were like a thousand people there or something. And because he inspired so many of his co-workers, they asked him to do that. And I was just like, wow. Okay, so he, even though he didn't like what he was doing, he was still implementing his dharma into it by doing what he loved and marrying the two. So I won't lie, that gave me a lot of hope and it made me feel a lot better also made me feel very silly for stopping reading for a week <laughs> but in all honesty guys after I read that chapter I walked away from the book quite literally feeling like I had been kicked in my metaphorical nuts <laughs> not gonna sugarcoat it so how did this book affect my life personally as I mentioned earlier the lessons imparted in this book are those which I am striving to actually achieve within my own life so as such, it made me feel all the kinds of warm and fuzzy, um, you know, to think that I now actually have found a work that I can use as a guideline. So when I'm in a bind, I can pick up th uh, Think Like a Monk and read a section that I need to read and I'm good to go. So, you know, 
I'm off to read this book again. I'm going to do it, and I'm actually going to do all of the exercises within it this time. Like, I appreciated them, the first read, but I was reading it to do a book review. <laughs> now I'm going to do it, read it, and do the exercises. Um, and I hope you guys do the same. So next month, the book of the month that I've chosen is Sefa Lavi Davi because, you know, it's V-Day and everything in February. So the book we're going to be reading next month is The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. So guys, even if you're a single Pringle, doesn't matter. This is an awesome read because it sheds a lot of light on who you are, what you appreciate, and what makes you tick. So can't wait to chat to you then about that book. And for now, that's me out. If you want to chat to me during the week, you can catch me on Instagram, which is six underscore minute underscore abs. You can send me a Twitter message, which is six minute abs. You can send me a Gmail, which is six minute abs at gmail.com. Or you can go check out the blog, guys, which is six minute abs.com. And as always, it's been a pleasure, and I will see you next week, babies. So bye. <laughs>